All right, everybody, it's nine o'clock. Let's get right into it. We do this show every Monday through Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitter Spaces. I'm Alan Gay, and this is Now D1 Speaks. I am super excited that Brody Gerndart is joining us tonight. He's a 24 uncommitted prospect from San Diego, California. Hey, Brody, are you out there? Yeah, I'm right here. Awesome, man. So happy to talk with you tonight. Hey, why don't you introduce yourself? Maybe include your high school, a travel team if you're playing with one, maybe your GPA, and how'd you get into baseball? Uh, yeah, well, as you already stated, my name's Brody Gundert, uh, but I graduate in 2024. I got a 4.2 GPA, and uh, I'm not currently playing for a travel ball team, but I go to Christian High School and play for them. Um. Getting into baseball, I think it was mainly because of my grandfather. Um, he played and scouted for the California Angels and really showed me the game once I was old enough. Man, I love that. So when did your when did your grandfather play with the California Angels? Uh, it was around the 60s when he played with them. And then immediately after, I believe, he started scouting for them for 15 plus years. Oh, my goodness. I love it. You know what? I'm sitting here thinking, probably show my age, but through the 70s and so forth while he was scouting, I bet Nolan Ryan was out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, He wasn't one to take a look at him. He recruited a couple uh, pitchers, but he mainly focused on uh, middle infielder and infield recruiting more than pitching. Man, that's really cool. What history right there. So one thing that you mentioned is you're not playing with the travel team. Why did you decide to kind of take the summer off from travel? And maybe what is it that you're focusing on instead? Uh, Right. So as a pitcher, it's kind of hard to play for a travel ball team. Well, one specific travel ball team. And you would only play like once a week or maybe like one, one game in a tournament. So I feel like in order to market myself to colleges better, I'm focusing more on development with a pitching coach, lifting, conditioning, all of that, and then attending more showcases rather than team-based tournaments. I think that's smart. I love that. That's a great approach right there, Brody. I really appreciate that. So I was going to ask you, what position do you play? Obviously, you, you play pitcher. As you're thinking about it, what what are your primary strengths? And if there were a couple things or one thing that you really wanted to work on, what would it be? Yeah, so I would think that my strengths are mechanics and mental approach. You know, those those are the two main parts. And then I think that other aspects of my game, like velocity and accuracy, all those other things are kind of enabled by those. But um as far as things that I would like to improve on, I feel like I compare myself to other pitchers. You know, I was just at a uh, camp at Cal Poly and there was like when there were people throwing harder than me, it was kind of difficult not to compare myself to them as far as statistics. But it doesn't it doesn't it's not an apples to apples, you know. I do know. Absolutely. And everybody's on their own path, too. So I can absolutely appreciate that. Speaking of Velo. What do you kind of where, where do you sit? Maybe where do you top out fastball? Uh, I would say that I I sit low to mid eighties, and then topping out maybe in like a bullpen session, it would be somewhere around eighty six, eighty seven range is where I'm topping out. Perfect, I love that. What 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 secondaries do you throw? 
Uh, so a changeup and a slider, but I'd say that my changeup is definitely my primary secondary pitch, which you don't really see a lot of today, but I put a lot of work into it. I'm pretty proud of it. Awesome. I love that. Hey, uh, to anyone that's listening, thank you so much. We certainly appreciate it. And thank you to those who joined late as well. We record this series. So if you are late, please take a look for when we retweet it and you'll be able to listen to the show in its entirety. So thank you very much for being here. Tonight, we're with Brody Gundart. He is a 24 uncommitted. He's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, I'm going to ask you your height and weight. You know what? Before I give it, what is your height and weight? Uh, Yeah, so I'm 6'4", 210 pounds. Love it. That is awesome. And you're how old? I'm 16 years old. I'll be 17 in about a week now. That's perfect. Hey, well, congratulations, man. It's a big deal. Hey, uh, so let me ask you something, Brody. I mean, you're on a great trajectory. You're in a baseball hotbed in Southern California. What is it that you do to really kind of stay motivated to continue to improve upon your skills and maybe just kind of pushing yourself to get better? Yeah, so as far as motivation, I kind of find it off the field as far as thinking in, you know, like a wider perspective of life. Like where do I want to be projecting myself within – 10 to 20 years, just not even within baseball, but outside of it. So I kind of view baseball as a tool in order to attend like a great university so that I can have like security within like finances and employment, like after I graduate and with minimal debt, things like that in order to use baseball and my GPA, SAT, et cetera, to my advantage in order to gain a better life after college, great entry level job, things like that. So day-to-day basis, I like setting smaller goals that eventually add up to bigger things like adding velocity, adding strength, conditioning, weight. It's, it all adds up. Absolutely. It's amazing. As far as the skills of baseball, it, it's inch by inch. There's not this large jump that you're just going to take at one time. I think that's a fantastic approach. Hey, earlier, Brody, you mentioned that your GPA is 4.2, which is obviously – an outstanding GPA. Have you already taken the SAT or ACT? And, and if you have, what were your scores? Uh, so I'll be taking the SAT pretty soon. I'll take it um, June 3rd, so this Saturday. But um, I've kind of been studying really hard for that these past uh, two weeks, taking a lot of practice tests. So I've got a really good idea of where I'm probably going to land on this SAT, but I, I think it'll be good. Okay. Outstanding. I appreciate that. And as you're thinking about school and, and uh, degrees and so forth, I mean, what are you kind of envisioning for yourself as far as a uh, major? Yeah, so I'm definitely interested in the engineering field. I'm very interested in, in math, applied physics, things like that. But as far as majors, I want to go into the engineering field, but I don't know specifically I think maybe civil or architectural might be where I want to go. And then I'm trying to aim to double major in business as well, or maybe have a minor in business. I love it. Absolutely. And a post degree, obviously MBA may be a way to go. Hey, outstanding plan, Brody. I absolutely appreciate you kind of thinking long-term as well. Hey, thinking back to your baseball career, and uh, really since the time that, you know, your grandfather really kind of turned you on to baseball, and I got to imagine you were really, really young when you did that. Have you, and I have to believe you have, 
had have had some particularly uh, really memorable moments or achievements on the field, maybe kind of narrow down specifically one achievement or one memorable moment, but more importantly, really, what'd you learn from that? Um, I'd say the biggest moment for me has to have been, it wasn't in high school, but during travel ball a little bit before high school, it was throwing, throwing a no hitter, you know, it kind of opened my eyes to things that you can't really base who you are on the field with any kind of trait like that, you know, like, Greatness is very, very fleeting. You have to be able to be consistent within, like, discipline, be humble about it. You have to learn humility because you can come out the next outing and then just get absolutely crushed, you know, like nine earned runs, something crazy, just as much as you can immediately get get a no-hitter. Like, that's – it's a game of failure. You're always experiencing it. But, I mean, greatness is, is determined about how you can overcome that. Hey, that's so cool. So you threw a no-hitter in travel ball. When was that last year or was it a couple seasons ago? Kind of give us a, a little history there. Uh, yeah, I believe it was the summer before my freshman year of high school. I love it. That's cool. That's awesome. Hey, Anybody that's jumped in, thank you so much. Absolutely appreciate your support. We posted a tweet from Brody. It's in the nest. And the nest for Twitter spaces, if you just kind of swipe up on this page, you'll be able to see uh, pictures of us as well as any tweets. And the tweet that I put in was a Brody. It just kind of gives you a quick insight as to who he is. You can click it. It'll take you straight to his uh, bio. And if you want to get in touch with him or um, – exchange messages or anything like that. It just gives you quick access to be able to do that. Hey, uh, I think I'm really going to appreciate this answer from you, Brody, I believe. And uh, and specifically, as I've kind of listened to you as we kicked off this interview, there's no doubt that you are academically inclined and you're really thinking about your future, you know, and and you're putting in the work today so that you can really kind of think about, what type of school you want to go to, what kind of major do you want to have, what kind of uh, uh, finances would that look like at the end of your college career, and then setting yourself up really, you know, for a baseball plus a professional career as well. So with that in mind, how do you really balance academics with your baseball activities as well because i know it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort to play baseball you know there, you've got weight training you've certainly got practices you've mentioned earlier that you work in, you're going to be working with a pitching coach you're going to be going to showcases i mean baseball takes up a lot of activity but you're also balancing very well your academic requirements how do you do that yeah, it's certainly a difficult thing, you know. I mean, on top of academics, I was trying to bolster my application for extracurriculars as well. I didn't kind of – I wanted to seem like a very well-rounded student, so I kind of almost overloaded myself. Like, I was uh, a part of the Associated Student Body this year. I was in clubs. I was in Rocket Club. I was in Young Americans for Freedom Club. Uh, so there wasn't very much spare time at all. Like, there's not, not a lot of time to mess around. But uh, I I like to think I took pretty rigorous classes as well, uh, APs, honors, mostly in order to 
attain that GPA, obviously. But um, ultimately, it comes down to discipline and like being able to sit down and do homework for multiple hours. It's not fun. It never is. But I mean, if if I can't prove to myself that I can work hard at the high school level in these classes, then I know that I shouldn't even be trying to play baseball and and get a degree from these universities that I'm aiming for. You know, I, I really try to strive for success in both areas of, of uh, baseball and academics, but it's all about sheer hours, honestly. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're threading that needle, man, and you're doing it. And congratulations. You are very, very well-rounded, not only with the courses that you're taking, but as you mentioned, the extracurricular activity, too. Man, that's really very, very impressive. Hey, let me ask you, what is maybe kind of a, a quick uh, synopsis of what is the Rocket Club and what is Young Americans for Freedom Club? Uh, yeah, so Rocket Club, it's uh, well, it's, it's pretty much a bunch of like the biggest biggest nerds from the school, and so uh, they <laughs> compete in like this this national competition where there's a bunch of like restraints on it. Like um, you have you basically have to launch a rocket up into the air. Like there's bunch of different test sites throughout the u.s but you basically have to construct a rocket like completely like you we 3d model it we do all the we do all the um equations and everything ourselves before creating it like uh we didn't 3d print it this year but um we built multiple rockets and there's a bunch of like specific weights and everything and uh parachute requirements that you have to have and um we didn't go very far in the national competition this year but it was still a lot of fun and uh it really helps with understanding applied mathematics and then um young americans for freedom club is basically uh getting a greater political understanding of the u.s so uh most of the meetings were just kind of talking about current events uh understanding both sides of the coin in america and uh events were kind of uh, they were scattered. One of the biggest ones was um, during the uh, Senate voting, I believe. We went down to, uh, there's this hotel, it's called the U.S. Grant, but it was basically this huge party uh, for um, voting. And we got to speak to a bunch of people, uh, along with people from the California Senate as well. And it, it's really eye-opening. I'm, I'm pretty glad I was in that club this year. Man, two really uh, unique clubs in, in the way that they compare to each other. I mean, those two don't have anything to do with each other. I love it. Very, very well-rounded. I would love to know. I mean, I don't know anything about the Rocket Club. I'm sitting here just trying to imagine, like, how far did your Rocket go? You know what I mean? <laughs> it, yeah. it is that is that, like, the competition? Like, whoever can shoot their Rocket the highest or, you know. But I, anyway, I don't want to get all into that, but I'm just really kind of, um, hey, I'm, I'm kind of dialed into that. I would love to know more about it. Anyway, that's really, really cool. And the political piece, man, I love that too. You know, especially as you're thinking about campus life, as you go forward and, you know, I mean, gosh, it's just kind of the, the nature of the beast now with America. Everything is a little bit more politicized. And I, I give you a lot of credit for getting involved early and kind of opening your eyes and, and maybe having a base that you you can stand upon, maybe a rock or a foundation or something like that that kind of sets you up for whatever it is that you may um, come across in the future. So Brody, I just given you a ton of credit. I mean, I think that you are extremely mature. You're very, very well-rounded. You're, it looks like you're a great athlete. You got great physical size. You've got a great future in baseball and uh, you're kind of setting yourself up for a great future 
professionally um, because of your mental um, aptitude. So, hey, nice job, Brody. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So also, hey, guys, anybody that's joining again, thank you so much. Absolutely appreciate that. This is a Twitter space. We do this live. I mean, I don't know Brody. I gave him a quick phone call before we got on, but I mean, all this is live. We don't take multiple takes. You know, we don't say, hey, I think I messed this up. Can we redo it? It is just live and, and sometimes pretty raw. But, we, but the really cool thing is we turn this into a podcast. And the, uh, the podcast is now uh, underscore D1 Speaks. So now D1 Speaks. And it is available in every major platform that's out there. There's tons of college coaches that are really kind of getting dialed into it. They're hearing about it. And I think the really cool thing about this is it gives coaches the opportunity to find out more about uncommitted prospects like Brody. The majority of college coaches are really, they, you know, they're kind of stretched thin for time. Their recruiting budgets are somewhat limited. Doesn't matter if you're division one or Juco or division two, three, they all are limited. There's only so much time that they can afford to recruiting and they are inundated with stats and video. But this little forum gives them an opportunity to find out what kind of kid potentially could come and come on the field and play for them. And it gives them a little bit of insight as to who they are, what, what kind of men they would be off the field as well. And so as you're sitting here listening to Brody, I know if I'm a college coach, it would just give me such a sense of confidence that I know this, I know this young man could come in. He could perform very well on the field. I'm not going to have to worry about him off the field. And that is tremendous for a college coach because it gives them the opportunity to really focus on the job at hand. And that's to win ball games. So I love this forum. Hey, uh, Brody, let me ask you something again, kind of thinking back over your career from the grandfather on, are there any particular players or coaches that have really kind of been very influential maybe in your development as a player? Yeah. So, I mean, I've never had a pitching coach in my life up until about two weeks ago, which I'm really grateful for. But um, my grandfather never pitched, but he understood the fundamentals of throwing very well, just playing middle infield and third base. So, I mean, up through Little League and travel ball, it was kind of just him teaching me all that he knows. And I'll always be grateful for his instruction that he's given me. But apart from that, I was kind of just on my own for pitching mechanics and I relied on uh, like pro league film. I uh, I loved to base a lot of my mechanics, pitches, workouts, routines from pitchers. I, I'm more old school, so I liked pitchers like Nolan Ryan and Trevor Hoffman, so I kind of just ate up all the film that I could on them. Like uh, I wear Trevor Hoffman's number 51 just to remind myself that I've, I've kind of copied a lot of things from him and uh, to pay tribute to him. But um, like I got uh, Nolan Ryan's Pitching Bible. It's a great book that he wrote, but a lot of my workouts that I do on a weekly basis are based off of exactly what he did in order to maintain. Uh, but as far as people my age or, or coaches, I I got one of my friends. He, he doesn't play baseball, but um, he, he goes to Vanguard University. His name is Ben Felice, but he's contributed more to my strength development than anyone else. And I'll always be grateful to him because um, he's my neighbor. He lives close to me, but he always went the extra mile for me. You know, um, he, he drove me to basketball practices. We played basketball, uh, at like four, four thirty AM so that we could get there and get working earlier. 
we would go lift at like 5 a.m. before school almost every day this year. Just uh, he's really helped me along the way, and I'm always grateful for him. Man, that's really cool. Ben sounds like a great guy. And if it, how did did he develop? Did he um, help you with your strength in the sense that he was a lifting partner and he was a guy that you could count on to show up in the morning, almost like an accountability partner? And he, and he really just kind of helped you and pushed you, or was there something else? in particular that he was able to help you with in regards to strength development? Uh, uh, yeah, he, uh, he was an accountability partner, but uh, he, he outlifts me and definitely knows more about the world of lifting than I do as far as form and everything. But I mean, as far as strength, like he's, he's just a great guy. You know, he just taught me just a lot of moral things about myself and just how to go about, being an athlete man that's awesome you got to have people like that in your life especially contemporaries if you've got somebody that's a couple years older than you or something like that that is kind of leading the way i mean that that just helps so much not only in your development but it'll help you in turn when maybe you're you have the opportunity to help someone younger than you as well i think that's really cool and then the trevor hoffman piece i mean my goodness you're in san diego I guess Trevor's really – he's a little bit of a legend in San Diego, I would assume, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's – especially, like, the way that my parents and grandparents talk about him. Like, I just wish I was alive in order to be able to go see him play. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the guy could definitely come in and close the ball game. If you needed a game saved, probably could do worse than calling on Trevor Hoffman. No question about it. Hey, uh, let me ask you something, Brody. As I'm thinking through – Man, through your day, you, you've got a busy, busy school day. After school, you got a lot of things going on with clubs and so forth. I mean, you are throwing a lot into your academic piece. So when it's time for baseball, how do you walk out of the classroom? And maybe it doesn't matter if you're doing a light workout, you're going to a practice. Maybe more importantly, you're walking straight into a game. How do you kind of flip that switch where you put the – the day-to-day, the academic piece behind you, and you really start preparing yourself mentally for a baseball game. Yeah, it's certainly weird when, you know, you you get out of calculus class and then all of a sudden you're walking with with your teammate and you're both going to suit up to play a game against, like, a league rival. It's very – it's weird to flip a switch that quickly, especially when you're still, like, on your home campus. You still see students and everybody walking around. But, like, as far as, like, zeroing in – I kind of uh, – I like to listen to music a lot, but I kind of make a single playlist at, like, the beginning of the year, and I kind of only just listen to that as far as on the walk there, getting suited up, just completely zoned in because I get distracted super easily. So, like, if I'm talking to my friend the entire time and I get on the mound, all of a sudden I'm not, I'm not mentally prepared for it, and I'm kind of all over the place. You know, the other team's getting in my head or whatever, but – um. Like I, from, from waking up, I focus on the game, what, 12, 13 hours away, just like thinking, all right, what am I, what do I eat today? No, no caffeine, no sugar. It makes me super jittery on the mound. Like just knowing a lot of things about myself, but, um, I'd say the playlist and very, very tedious parts of like my actual warm up routine, as far as plyometrics or bands like just counting every single rep when i'm throwing just counting every single throw making sure that it matters 
so that by the time that I get on the mound, I know exactly how my fastball is moving, how everything's moving, how my arm's feeling, how my body's feeling. Man, I love that, Brody. I mean, you're very, very calculated there. You got a nice routine. You know you're doing your schoolwork, so forth. You can actually put that behind you because if you weren't, if you weren't doing the things that you needed to do to be successful in the classroom, that would weigh on you so much, not only during the preparation before a game, but during the game as well. So you're knocking that piece out. You don't have to worry about it. You can compartmentalize and say, I've got that piece. Now let me start focusing on the game. And I think the thing that's cool that you've mentioned a couple times about the playlist, I think that play – I could be wrong. And again, I know we don't know each other, but I almost feel like that playlist is the piece that just kind of gives you peace because you're walking through all the others. You're doing the, the, the bands, you're throwing, you're feeling your body, but you're not even really having to think about it. Instead, you're just listening to the songs, the playlist that you put together at the beginning of the year. And that's kind of the thing that's just keeping your routine moving along. I love that. I think you got a great routine. It's very, very professional. Hey, anybody that's on that's uh, listening to this, maybe for the first time, if you're an uncommitted high school prospect, you could be graduating 23, 24, 25, or if you're a JUCO or a transfer and you just want to get a little bit more exposure, please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you about scheduling. Um, I will tell you that we're booked through at least mid-June, probably getting into late June, but that's okay. I mean, we're going to continue to do this. We'll do it straight through the summer. So just reach out to me. I am now underscore D1. Uh, just send me a DM on Twitter, and we'll just figure it out from there. So, Brody, you are, you know, this summer, this summer in, in many ways is kind of a big deal. I love your approach that you're going to, you're working on your physicality. You're working on the mental piece. Um, you're you're going to show up for the showcases, and you'll work through that. I think in many ways that's really super smart. Um, I know that ultimately you want to play baseball at the next level. To be able to play baseball, you need to really be recruited. So could you just kind of give us a sense of maybe where you are in the recruiting process, whether it's you're just starting to reach out or maybe – Coaches are just starting to reach out to you, or maybe you're just looking for more exposure. And then, you know, maybe at the end of that, kind of just give us a sense of what's a good fit for you. And what I mean by that is ultimately, do you want to stay in California? Do you want to stay in Southern California? Are you looking for a larger school, maybe a smaller school, private school? Just kind of a general sense, if you could just think of an ideal situation for yourself, what would it be? Yeah, going into uh, your first point about the recruiting process, I'd say that at this point I'm starting to settle in. You know, not as many things are new to me. Uh, I got the great opportunity to go and visit um, NYU. I had a great great time over there and with the coaches and and got to talk to a lot of players and tour the facilities and everything um but i really loved the school up there as far as location and everything i would say that you know staying in california doesn't matter very much to me the only the only way that california is important to me is just in-state tuition that just flat out but um i really going to the east coast i honestly would say that i prefer east coast schools because like when i when i try to get a feel for these places i feel like 
envisioning myself there. East Coast, I can feel myself working a lot harder. It's a it's a harder working environment. You know, like a California, especially Southern California, everything's a lot more laid back. It's slower. It feels really easy to get lackadaisical, you know, like just kind of settle into complacency. But I feel like over in over on the East Coast, you know, you, you're always working hard at anything. But um, as far as where I am, sorry, I went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but like where I am in the recruiting process, I'd say that I'm reaching out to more coaches now that I have the the plan for my summer as far as what showcases I'm attending. Uh, I'm getting back positive, positive feedback. You know, coaches are starting to reply to me uh, and it's not limited by division or school size. You know, I've got it from all kinds of different places, like from Johns Hopkins or MIT to, to Columbia. I got the opportunity to go to Columbia's practice. I really loved the coach up there. I really uh, love Columbia's program. That would be, uh, a great school and I would really love to go there but um, high academic schools are definitely ones that I'm targeting schools that again would offer security post-grad so so that you know if an employer is seeing that university's name on my application would they think oh that's you know that's not that's not a very important school to us or okay that's a very important school we should look at this kid just different different things based off of that but as far as what I want in college for those four years, I would say that I don't care about very many things at all. I don't care about campus life, Greek life, yada, 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 I, or division or comp- competition level. Like I could, I could be just as, just as fine with junior college as division one. It just matters about academics and um, especially, especially um, scholarship and financial allowances because um, I, I don't, my family makes uh, too much money for need-based to kick in, but not enough in order to send me to college. And I don't really want to graduate with, you know, 100K plus debt wherever I'm going, you know? Hey, I can so appreciate that. And I think so many families that are listening can appreciate that. And uh, on this show, I've often, just as a quick aside, I've often talked about my own son who went through the recruiting process as well. I'm in Florida. I'm in Orlando, Florida. Uh, he, he ended up being recruited by Florida Gulf Coast University down in Fort Myers. And I can absolutely appreciate what you're talking about with the needs based. I mean, there's so many families that are out there that are just kind of right in this situation where it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> You know, we're not going to be able to qualify for financial aid, but we're going to need some kind of assistance here. So I, I, I can absolutely appreciate what you're saying, 100 percent. And what great schools that you're talking about. And Columbia, Columbia's got a fantastic, ba- obviously it's a fantastic academic school, but it's got a great baseball program as well. In fact, one of the guys that, that uh, my son played with, Western Ellaby, I mean, he ended up He's playing. He's a catcher. He was on the Buster Posey, you know, catcher. They limit, they, they say, hey, there's X number of players that were thinking of maybe some of the best catchers across the country, and he was one of them right there at Columbia. I mean, Columbia is, you know, if people think, oh, my goodness, you just want to go to an Ivy League school. Well, no, that's big-time baseball as well. So you're talking about some great schools that are out there, no question about it. I was going to say, you know, if you can make one little – if you can make a pitch for yourself, but I think you've done it through all these questions. I mean, but I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if you could just kind of maybe in just one short sentence, if there was a coach, you know, why, why, why would they take a, Hey, what is it about Brody that would make it a slam dunk 
for you to go to whatever school? How would you kind of phrase that and say, hey, coach, this is why you should take a chance on me? Honestly, I would say uh, humble and hungry. Uh, I don't, I really don't like to be arrogant in whatever I do. I kind of just like to let my game speak for itself, but I'm, uh, I'm always hungry. You know, I've always wanted to go to these great academic universities, you know, since like from freshman year, I've always been building this cumulative GPA in order to get to these places, but I'm always willing to work as hard as possible in order to get to those places. Like, I'm not going to get in college and then all of a sudden just stop as far as velocity development, um, pitch development, body development. You know, it'll only progress exponentially from there, especially with whatever resources that university has. But, I mean, success in the field and in the classroom is kind of just an absolute must for me. And I'm not, I'm not going to go shove it in anybody's face. I'm not going to go acting like I'm better than the coach or any of my teammates. I'm on the same level as them and I'm under my coaches. Humble and hungry. I love that. That's a good pitch. That's a very, very good pitch. Hey, let's end it maybe with um, you kind of passing it forward or so paying it forward. Thinking about some of the younger guys, some kids that are coming up now who are just so baseball focused and and they're they're dreaming of, I don't know, they're going to be in the Hall of Fame, right? They're 10, 11, 12 years old. If you had an opportunity to really talk to a 12-year-old that is serious about baseball, what kind of advice would you give him? Yeah, so off of my previous point, I would say the best tool that you could possibly have to succeed is humility, like being coachable. Um, Once you acknowledge that you don't know everything, you have a lot to learn, the quicker you'll progress. It's crazy. Um, I was playing basketball my freshman year, and one of my coaches – Uh, He recommended me a book. It's called Mindset by Carol Dweck anyways, but it completely changed my outlook on both sports and academics. You know, it talked about um, having a growth mindset in anything that you do and being able to gain anything from it. The only loss that you could ever possibly have is making a mistake or failing and not learning from it and moving on. But um, like things like things like that, little things like that, like, um, Whenever I complain about anything to my dad, he uh, he saw this Navy SEAL quote like a bunch of years ago, and now he just continues to use it. I'll, I'll give him this whole explanation on why I'm upset and complaining, and then he'll just say, uh, full benefit. And uh, it means, yeah, no matter what happened or what's going to happen, you're going to turn this into good. Uh, like Navy SEALs use it whenever anything bad happens, and a lot of stuff goes bad in the Navy SEALs, obviously. But... I mean, it's a game of failure. The only way that you're going to succeed is is growing and minimizing failure, especially mentally, uh, using that to your benefit. Uh, you should have certainly a long-term goal and make smaller portions that are more quickly attainable to achieve it. So obviously, like 10, 11, 12, I was, I was thinking – obviously like huge i was thinking oh i want to go i want to go to the mlb i want to pitch 100 miles an hour you know that that's great but it's so hard when you sit down and say all right i'm going to do this and then you don't know where to start at all you know it's it's great to get a tiny tiny stepping stone one at a time and i'm all about just um making portions of it but being controlled with it you know setting attainable goals 
Man, that's great advice. Full benefit, humble and hungry. I love that. That's a couple of things that you kind of threw out there. I got to tell you, Brody, man, I have really enjoyed this evening. I am so impressed with you. I think you've got a fantastic future ahead of you. You've got great support around you. I love the comment that you're talking about with your dad. I mean, you have, you know, you, you've got some serious people in your life that have afforded you an opportunity and you've taken full advantage of it. And, and that just speaks volumes to you. I'm really excited for you. I think you've got a tremendous future. I love this time of year. Somebody that's about to go into their senior year. You know, you, you've kind of got, you got a lot of choices that are right here, you know, and you're going to have some work to kind of narrow it, it down as to what is the best fit for you. And what an advantage. There's not a lot of kids out there that can really kind of start looking at what's going to work for me. But the reason you can do that is you've got some physical gifts. There's no question about that. But you put in a lot of work, you know, and, and you know, there's no, there's no reason for you to slow down and kind of pat yourself on the back and say, hey, look what I did. And I don't think you'll do that in a second. But I hope you appreciate really the work that you put in. I can, I can only imagine your parents are absolutely proud of the, the young man that you're becoming. You know what I mean? And I think you've got a tremendous future. I hope that I'll be able to stay in touch with you somehow or be able to watch it somewhere because I think you're going to do some pretty, really, really cool things. I hope you've had a good time tonight. I certainly have. I think that uh, it was uh, it was a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you again for having me on this podcast. It really means a lot. I think this, this is really going to be a helpful tool uh, to further my recruiting journey. I hope so, too. I really absolutely do. I will tell you tomorrow night, anybody that's kind of tuning in, I hope you will come back tomorrow. We've got Luke Carter. Luke is a 24 uncommitted. He's out of the state of Georgia, and uh, we'll be doing this tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. Again, this will be on a podcast. I hope that you guys will, will tune in and subscribe to Now D1 Speaks. Um, it's, it's really cool, the Monday through Thursday thing is all dedicated to uncommitted or JUCO uncommitted or transfers. And then on Fridays, we kind of mix it up a little bit. We had Jeremy Booth on a couple of months or a couple of weeks ago. We had Roger Wilkinson on last week. This week, we've got Coach O'Neill. He's at a Voorhees over at, uh, in Denmark, South Carolina. So we kind of mix it up on Fridays. And the cool thing about the Friday piece is they're talking almost specifically to uncommitted. You know, and, and kind of given the other side, whether they're a coach or someone that's already had a career and they're looking back and saying, hey, these are a couple of things that are kind of important. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's really it, it's a kind of a cool series that we're putting together. So just as a, 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 hey, to me, I hope that you'll subscribe to it. You'll like it. Give us a big five star rating. And this show will just kind of continue to grow. Brody, man, I really appreciate it. I am very super excited for your future. Uh, enjoy tonight more than you can imagine. You know, really cool to meet people like you that have got your act together. Everybody, we'll just kind of end it right here. And uh, thank you for tuning in. So good night. Yeah, thank you for your time.